Today's service is brought to you by the letter J. What's the word? Okay, what's the sign of joy? Show me the sign of joy. Come on, get it on. What's the sign of joy? Yes, all right. Rejoicing, smiling, happiness, infectious laughter, standing up, sitting down, but holding your arms up. There's so many signs for joy. This day is brought to you by the letter J. And now I'd like to dive back into a text we'll hear in just a moment, but set it up for you. Mary was looking forward to a big wedding. She probably had a gleam in her eye, and you know she had a spring in her step. She was engaged to Joseph, who was a respected carpenter, a master tradesman, but he was also a very special man. He was a descendant of King David, and that would have been known. The Hebrew people knew who they were related to way back. This was so exciting for Mary. But then suddenly she's greeted by a visitor, someone she had never seen before, someone who filled the room with an awesome presence when he showed up, making her feel small and somewhat afraid. He introduced himself to her as the Archangel Gabriel. This was a meeting. He said to her, You are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. She wasn't expecting that. Can you imagine someone with that kind of presence, that kind of authority that comes to your space and says you have found favor with God? I mean, that's a good word, but that's a bit over the top. Moments ago, she was the happiest girl in Nazareth. And now some stranger, some otherworldly being has singled her out for something totally unexpected. To be the mother of the Son of the Most High, who would be given the throne of his father David, whose kingdom would never end. And if that isn't enough, she is then told, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you and impregnate you, even though she's a virgin. Holy Spirit, virgin, impregnated. It's a little much. But Gabriel reassured her, remember, nothing is impossible for God. And then he went on to announce some startling family news. Mary's much older relative, Elizabeth, who had long given up hope of bearing a child, was in fact already expecting a baby and was in her sixth month. Mary rushes off to a town on the outskirts of Jerusalem, both for her own sake to leave Nazareth, but also to visit her relative, Elizabeth. Last Sunday, we looked at Elizabeth in depth and discovered in her a deep love for God and for people which revealed itself in being a safe person for Mary to run to in the time of her consternation and wonderment and not quite sure what really was taking place. Elizabeth had probably been that way with a lot of other people. We don't know. 
The only thing we know about Elizabeth is in that one chapter in the Gospels. The only other thing we know for sure about their three months together is Elizabeth's greeting of Mary and Mary's response, which has come to be known as the Magnificat or the Song of Mary. Listen to my wife Carolyn as she reads for us the Song of Mary from Luke chapter 1. My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. For he has looked with favor on the lowliest of his servants. Surely, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the Mighty One has done great things for me, and holy is his name. His mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy according to the promise he made to our ancestors, to Abraham, and to his descendants forever. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of our Lord endures forever. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Carolyn. Two points are clearly revealed in Mary's song. The first is, Mary gives a personal witness about God for her. And secondly, Mary gives a history lesson and a prophecy about God and God's plan in our world. Let's begin with Mary's personal witness. Have you ever listened to someone's story of how they came to know and receive God in their life? One of the privileges I have as a pastor over these past four-plus decades is to hear so many of such stories. They're incredible. The pathway each has taken is always very different, but the result is always the same. God is honored, Jesus is believed and received, and the person's life has changed as they seek to honor him. I am moved by every story that is told to see God working in each person's life. But I'm most profoundly touched by those who've had a significant change of life because of God's mercy for them. This past week, you remember Monday? Yeah, I agree. (laughs) The ice storm. What good can come from an ice storm? Well... I got to stay home an extra day to work rather than drive up here 40 minutes each way. That was good. But before I began to study on Tuesday morning, I was able to see an interview on the Today Show, which I don't ever have a chance to watch, and the interview was of Alice Cooper. You know Alice Cooper? Go ahead and flip the picture up there of Alice. There's Alice Cooper. 
It's currently posted on today's website. It's also on YouTube. Alice Cooper was the shock rock performer who grew up in a deeply religious home. You may not have known that. His father was a pastor. His grandfather was an evangelist. As a teen, he abandoned the faith, referring to himself as a prodigal. He recounted his addiction to alcohol and drugs, watching many of his performing and addicted friends die in their 20s. He went on to tell how the church and his wife, Cheryl, reeled him back to see himself for what he was, to see his family for who they really were, and most importantly, I quote, most importantly, to see the Lord, end of quote. At 71, he and his wife, Cheryl, attend church together every Sunday, even when he's on the road. Together, they've opened up the Alice Cooper Solid Rock Teen Center in Phoenix, Arizona for kids aged 12 to 20. He states, and I quote him, We don't beat kids over the head with the Bible. We accept everyone who comes, and we have a staff of counselors, all of whom are Christians, end of quote. Alice Cooper still performs as Alice Cooper. It's a put-on. It's a way for them to supply what's needed for the teen center Solid Rock in Phoenix. But he truly honors God and in this interview directly talks about honoring God and following Jesus Christ. I was stunned. I had no idea. But what a witness he gave on national television just this past week. Mary's story has some of the same things in it. Mary began by being very skeptical. How can this be? I'm a virgin. I mean, Gabriel, aren't you aware? It doesn't work like that. And then she added, I'm to raise the son of the most high God. Somehow, Mary accepted what the angel said and she moved on. I don't know how she did that, but she did. And perhaps Gabriel's mild rebuke helped her turn the corner when he said, nothing's impossible with God. And Mary found safety and solace as well as blessing with her relative Elizabeth just outside Jerusalem. And somehow, right immediately after Elizabeth blesses her and blesses the child that's just a peanut in her womb, she bursts into this song called the Magnificat. She was utterly amazed at what God was doing in her. She was utterly amazed at what God was going to do with the son that was being born in her. Mary's soul magnified the Lord. How do you magnify? people would probably mostly say, you magnify by making something bigger. There's another way to think of it. You magnify by getting closer. That also makes it bigger. But that's more about what magnify the Lord is about. It's not about making the Lord bigger. Can we make the Lord bigger? Does he need to be made bigger? But to get closer is what matters. She got closer to the Lord. She magnified him. And then she says, my spirit rejoiced in the Lord. 
she expressed her utter jubilation. She may have been sitting with Elizabeth and went like this. She certainly went like this, which I've always referred to as the Jimmy Carter look. He was known for his smile. In fact, people said he never stopped smiling. Do you remember that when the politics were going on back then? He was always a smiler. Well, Mary couldn't help but smile right now because she was getting it. It was making sense. And she rejoiced in what God was doing and was choosing to do in her. She was filled with joy and jubilation. And she burst into a history lesson and a prophecy. She was inspired to remember back into the stories of God and her people, the Hebrews, how he had performed mighty deeds to deliver them and to scatter the proud and the powerful. She likely thought of her people when they were in slavery in Egypt. The Lord had to deal with the stubborn Pharaoh and how even the plagues couldn't break his determination to keep the cheap labor in his country. But God prevailed, and Pharaoh and the best of his army wound up drowned in the Red Sea or the Reeds Sea. She likely thought of King Nebuchadnezzar, brought down from great heights of power in Daniel chapter 2, that to the point of being like an animal until his repentance in Daniel chapter 4. And his son, Belshazzar, in Daniel 5, who lost the throne and then lost his life. These remembrances are contained in this song of Mary about how God has brought down rulers from their thrones. But Mary also remembered with hope that God had also shown great mercy and love, most especially to the humble. God had been merciful to Abraham and his descendants countless times, all the way to her day and time. And now with Elizabeth just outside of Jerusalem and with her personally. Looking back, she could see how God had leveled the field, bringing down the arrogant and lifting up the humble. God had been merciful. And these were the same kinds of words that John the Baptist used when he introduced Jesus in the very beginning. It said of him, he was to lower the mountains. He was to raise the valleys. He was to straighten the crooked ways. He was to fill in the potholes of the rough ways so that people would be able to see the God of life and help and health and wholeness and joy. This is what God has done all through history. She recalled how his promise was made at the beginning to Adam and Eve, the very first people that we know of. And she recalled how the words had always made her wonder. They were unusual as they'd been read in the synagogue in Nazareth, that a redeemer would spring from the seed of the woman. In this text, God is speaking with the serpent, Satan, and he says, I will put enmity between thee and the woman and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head and thou shalt bruise his heel. Now we look at what that might mean, but I think almost every time what gets overlooked is that it's the seed of the woman. As far as I could find, it's the only place the seed of the woman is even mentioned. The Bible always talks about the seed of the man. It's a patriarchal society. Many believe that this is the first prophecy of the virgin birth of Jesus, 
because there was no seed of a man in the making of Jesus. It was God and the seed of the woman. There are a lot more prophecies of the Messiah that speak other things. But this was unique, very unique. Mary was convinced that God had remembered to be merciful. The Magnificat is a powerful reminder not to despair. God keeps his promises. He is faithful to do everything that he has ever promised. Everything faithful will be done. So how do we apply this? Interesting as it might be, what does it mean for how I live the rest of this day, this coming week, through the Christmas holidays, into the new year? What's it mean for us together? You know, Mary didn't do anything to do to become the mother of Jesus. She didn't do a thing. It was God who chose her. It was God who overshadowed her. It was God who created and conceived the child that was now growing inside of her. And this is what God wants to do in each one of us. Becoming a believer or a follower is not something we do. No. We are born from above. God chooses us. Remember, God so loved the world and makes it clear that it's the whole world so that whoever, whoever believes in Jesus will have eternal and abundant life. God desires to conceive and birth Jesus in our lives. It's his doing. He is not willing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. 2 Peter 3, 9. Only our part is to accept God's gift in Jesus and then just follow him. He leads. That's it. Because of what God does, we pass from darkness to light. Because of what God does, we become a new creation. Because of what God does, we become the daughters and the sons of God. We become family with God, sisters and brothers with Jesus the Christ, the only begotten one. I thank God for Mary and her willingness to comply with God's plan for her. We who are Protestant by practice need to think on and thank her more than we do. She is a great example of what God does for each of us. And I thank God for each of you and your willingness to comply with God's plan for you. May we learn to join in Mary's song saying, My soul praises the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. Joyfully, loudly, boisterously, with action, with movement, with smiles, with excitement. Because that's what God does. And we are blessed. I was raised by Swedes. The only thing that ever excited a Swede was a sugar cookie. (laughs) To get Swedes to get excited about anything was a real challenge. I'm half Norwegian. I was adopted. I'm half Norwegian, so half of me struggles with getting excited about anything, too. But I'm English, Irish, and Scotch, and they don't help a bit. (laughs) But... 
boy, I wish the Spirit could get a hold of us because it would be a dramatic shift of behavior and words and excitement to let God really bubble up through our lives and get us going for God. Hello? Oh, thank you. I don't even know where I left off here. Maybe it's supposed to be that way. Mary was convinced that God had remembered to be merciful. And this Magnificat is powerful, reminding us not to despair, ever to despair. Even in the midst of life's most challenging experiences, God will win. And we, his children, win with him. That's his way. Two days ago, Carolyn and I, in our kind of habit of life together, sat down to do our devotions. For many years, we did not do devotions together. Before I retired, um, just our lives were just going so many different scattered ways. We had our own. It's been a delight since retirement, sort of retirement, to do it together. And it's often in the morning, which is wonderful, before I take off and come up here. And in the covenant, we are blessed to have, this is the current one, the newest one is out on the table in the welcome area, the covenant home altar. We use this and Jesus Calling and uh, Daily Bread and the Covenant's missionary prayer calendar to do our devotions together. And in this last week, on the 20th of December, this Friday, was a piece called Joyful Acceptance. I'd like to read an excerpt from it in closing. Quote, Mary's heart is bursting with praise after receiving a blessing from Elizabeth. It feels like there's a full shift in her spirit as she joyfully accepts the good news of the challenge she has been tasked with, being the mother of Jesus. Sometimes a good word is the very thing we need to move forward in acceptance of our reality, especially when that reality is very hard. I love the picture of community and their story, especially shown in these two women being a support to one another in such a powerful way. There's connection and camaraderie rather than competition. What is the good word that you might share with someone today that might lead to a joyful acceptance of themselves and their circumstances? What word of blessing can we give to people in their lives now that faces what they're dealing with but also expresses, I'm with you, I'm for you, and so is God? That's a message from Mary's Magnificat and her relationship with Elizabeth. May it be ours as well. Let us pray. Lord, may we always be ready to be good news to each person we encounter in our day. Teach us to listen for your good word to share with others and ready us to receive these words when spoken to us. 
in the name of Jesus, the promised one who came, who still comes, and is coming again. Amen.